You are listening to episode 10 of the Design Influence with Albie Knows. The Design Influence, formerly the eDesign Experience, was born spring of 2018 after noticing a void in the interior design community. The void was that there was no support or no real support or real education for online interior designers. As an online interior designer myself, specifically as an exclusively online interior designer, and also as a content creator, I realized after undergoing my own journey of exploration and education that many of the challenges fellow online designpreneurs were facing weren't being specifically addressed. And so the eDesign experience was born. It started as an online conference, and now nearly a year later, here we are. So... What is (laughs) e-design? This is still a question that I get from both designers and clients alike. What exactly e-design is? How do you do it? What does it look like? Who is it for? So many questions, and I promise you there are even more answers to go with them. And these answers, while for some provide clarity, for others, it just creates more confusion. So in today's episode, I want to talk about the business of e-design with you, hopefully answering some of those questions. Full disclosure, I don't know all things e-design, but I do believe that I, I know enough <laughs> from, again, my own journey, my own research. And while I do believe that We all have an obligation to do things with our own unique flair. I want to share with you what I do know, what I've learned, and how that's translated in my own business. Welcome to The Design Influence, a show dedicated to changing the conversation and creating impact on and offline. The Design Influence is all about you, the online designpreneur, helping you be a better designer and entrepreneur in this new digital landscape. I'm your hostess with the mostest, online interior designer, content creator, and nonstop idea machine, Albie of Albie Knows Online Interior Design. If you're ready for some candid and caffeinated conversations about everything from decoding interior design tools to growing pains as an entrepreneur to figuring out what the heck it means to be an influencer, then turn up your earbuds and let's dive in. Today's episode is brought to you by Gather, a visual platform that helps you source product, communicate with clients, and eliminate hours of admin headaches. Whether it's for a big project or a product roundup blog post, Gather has helped me streamline all of my product specifications, project details, and budget tracking. And I've basically created my own one-stop resource library. I know you're going to love Gather as much as I do, so head over to thedesigninfluence.com forward slash gather to get started with a free extended trial. Hey guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. This is one episode that I know so many of you have probably been waiting for because I get this question so frequently and a lot of you probably actually expected this to be the show's first episode, but it is here. We are talking about all things e-design. So let's jump right in. What is e-design? 
For starters, e-design has forever changed the way we do design. And it's really exponentially grown in popularity from large firms expanding their services to offer e-design all the way to new designers who are using this new innovation as a way to enter the interior design field. Yet, if you do a quick Google search of what is e-design, you won't get very far. We can't even agree on how to spell the damn thing. Do you use a capital E or a lowercase e? Do you hyphenate? Do you not hyphenate? <laughs> but exactly as the name applies, e-design, aka online interior design, is the interior design process that takes place completely virtually or remotely. So it is entirely in the digital space, which allows designers and clients to connect without the constraints of location. This works in everyone's favor in terms of flexibility and freedom. And to be honest, so many other fields and professions have entered the digital arena. So it's really no surprise that interior design would do so just the same. Honestly, there really isn't anything you can't do online these days. So a lot of times I hear that e-design platforms are given the credit for this new wave of design. But the truth is, a lot, like a lot, of designers were doing quote-unquote e-design long before the term was officially coined. And they may not have even realized that's what they were doing. But at its core, e-design is all about providing services remotely. So how do you do it? Spoiler alert, there is no one way to do it. So we're just going to get that out of the way right now. E-design can be done in a multitude of ways. But like I said, at its core, it's all about operating remotely. So there are some fundamentals that we can all agree on. There are, in my opinion, three key components that separate e-design from more traditional interior design. One, communication. When it comes to the way you interact with your clients, there isn't any in-person engagement. So you need to establish a reliable form of communication, reliable and efficient. Email, text message, virtual chat, video conference, phone calls, all are viable means of keeping the communication with the client open and hopefully running smoothly. That's the E part in e-design. So really depending on the boundaries you want to set, your personality, and just your overall process, your method of communication will definitely vary. For example, as an introvert, as someone who's struggled with boundaries, and as a designer who has worked with different e-design platforms, I found that the best means of communicating for me was through my CRM. I didn't want to deal with digging through emails. I didn't want any late night text messages. I didn't want the hassle. So I do it all through my CRM. And occasionally I use some video conferencing. But again, the E part is the communication. And so that is something that needs to be established 
probably from the onset. How do you want clients to reach you? And how do you want to reach clients once money has been exchanged and we are kicking off a service? The third key, the second, excuse me, key component is delivery. When I first started designing, I dipped and dabbled with a lot of ways to deliver my designs, just like communication. I eventually graduated from text and email delivery to choosing a platform to host my designs on. And this isn't to be confused with working for a design platform, which for all intents and purposes is a completely different conversation that we can have later, since those platforms pretty much handle everything but the design. I know a lot of designers who will just email a PDF package while other designers put together a tactile kit that they actually mail to the client. Some have an online portal for clients where they can find all of their materials, while others do a video chat and walk them through the design as though they were there with them. All allow for the same result. The client gets the benefit of receiving a beautiful design from you from the comforts of their home. The third key component that separates e-design from traditional design, in my opinion, is execution. And this one's a big one. We've covered the E, but what about the design? That is the execution. And it's probably one of the biggest dilemmas I see designers struggling their way through. And I get that because during an age where being an e-designer relies greatly on being both design and tech savvy, how do you choose? Photoshop or PowerPoint? Revit or Room Styler? <laughs> there is legit a software and a platform for every single step of the design process. Some are free, some are paid, some are native, some you download. And this isn't even accounting for the more traditional ways of putting actual pen to paper. I'm a student of technology. Drafting by hand was uh, never really my forte. So that was an easy decision for me. For other designers, it's the complete opposite. What matters most is really finding your strength and then finding the programs that support those strengths so that you can best execute your ideas. You guys, have you heard? We have a template shop. <laughs> it's been open for a few weeks now and I am just so proud of what we've been able to create. And I say we because the template shop was born from your feedback. It includes templates that you guys told me you needed to help you run your business a little bit smoother. And one of those templates, one of our very first templates actually, was an e-design contract template. That contract is because I want you to stop winging it with your clients. Just because you're working online doesn't mean you don't need to have all your legalities buttoned up and in order. So whether it's your first project or your hundredth, you need to have all of your ducks in a row so that you can start treating your business like an actual business, so that you can protect yourself, and so that you can protect your clients. Make sure you're always on the same page with them and that the project is on track 
and starting with a solid foundation. The eDesign contract template is super easy to download and super easy to edit so that you can outline step by step what your clients can expect from you and what you expect from them because it's a collaboration after all. So head over to thedesigninfluence.com forward slash resources, grab your template, download it, edit it, refine it as you see fit because it is your business after all. And I can't wait to see how you guys continue to grow your e-design influence. Now let's get back to the conversation. What does e-design look like? Ooh, this one trips up a lot of people. And I know when I started, it tripped me up a lot because I was seeing so many different iterations of what virtual design, e-design, online interior design, remote design. I was seeing it show up in my Google search results and hashtag results in so many different ways. Fast forward now, <laughs> I like to keep my eyes and ears open to all things e-design. And this is where I see a lot of other designers also stumble in their e-design journey and just really figuring out what their e-design process should look like. Because of the previously mentioned exposure to different design tools and platforms and programs and blah, 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 <laughs> in addition to classically trained designers getting into e-design, so are design bloggers and design influencers. They're taking their eye and passion for design and coupling it with their influencer status and with their influence to serve a growing need in the design space. It's all about supply and demand. For a lot of designers, e-design looks like providing the same exceptional designs and service process. So from inspiration to floor planning to product sourcing to directions for installing. Whereas others CE design as a more abridged and alternative version of designing. Get in, get out, get paid. The deliverables for them may simply be a mood board and a shopping list. And they're just giving their clients a quick uh, guidance to how to design the space. All of these ways are right. At the very least, none of them are wrong. <laughs> In the same way that if you walk into any interior design firm, you'll find that their ways of delivering in-person services differ. Can it be confusing? For sure. But what matters is that you're delivering exactly what you committed to as a designer and exactly what your people need and want from you. So the type of audience you're serving may want that detailed design plan that they just have to install without giving it a second thought. Whereas another designer's audience wants to be more hands-on. They want to be more involved. And so they don't require that same level of intricacy and involvement from you. The way you illustrate your e-designs and package your e-designs really has to fit your process, but also the audience that you plan to be serving. Having tried different methods and different platforms, I got to a point of realizing that packages didn't really work for me, uh, 
providing a la carte services didn't really work for me, but a lot of it was trial and error. You know, even down to my mood board style, I've gotten to a point where I prefer a vertical mood board as opposed to a horizontal mood board. And when I'm feeling real fancy, I may even do an animated mood board. You know, the way you present it, the way you offer everything, it's going to evolve as you evolve in your own process and as also you refine the niche that you're serving. I went from having packages and a la carte services and having all these different components to really refining it to a place where it was like, this is, yeah, take it or leave it. <laughs> this is exactly what you're going to get. You know, it's, I don't offer a marketplace, you know, whereas other designers that suits them, that suits the clientele that they're speaking to, that suits their process, and it works beautifully for them. So again, once you've nailed down how you want to work, and who you want to work for, the way your e-design looks may not look the way your neighboring designer's e-design looks. So who is e-design for? <laughs> oh, this is a fun one. And I say it's fun because it's twofold. The who can be the client as well as the designer. There is a right type of client for e-design and there's a right type of designer for e-design. I can't answer the client piece, so I'm not even going to bother because I can only answer that for myself because I know the type of clientele I would want to attract and I would want to work with. And that may not be the same type of clientele someone else wants to work with. So going back to the execution that we were talking about and what it looks like and all of that, that is going to vary. And so the right quote-unquote client for me, maybe the wrong client for you, and vice versa. So when it comes to the who it's for, in this conversation, we're going to talk about the designer. While I do believe e-design may not be for every client, when communicating with your audience, it will be up to you to define that right client. And to that end, I believe e-design isn't for every designer. A lot of designers get into the e-design space as a way to passively create income. And I am perfectly fine with the idea of it supplementing, you know, your full service offerings. But that thinking of it literally being a passive way to do interior design because there is nothing passive about it. <laughs> no matter how you choose to communicate, deliver, or execute your e-designs, it requires just as much of your talent, um, even if not as much as your, of your time, as a full-service traditional design would. You're hired for your talent as a designer, so I don't imagine that you're going to diminish your talent simply because the name of your service has changed. So... The designer that's looking for a passive design service offering, e-design isn't for you. There is an element of technology involved, which is part of why it's not that passive. And it may even exceed the amount of technology you need for traditional design. In addition to your time and your talent, you need to rely heavily on tools and software and programs and all the things to make this cog move smoothly, to make the process easier for both you and your clients. 
this is something that, again, is happening remotely. So how do you compensate for the fact that you are not physically sharing the space with the client? And if you don't enjoy the process of designing online, the process of working virtually, and you really can't handle the idea of being away, like not in the living room, dining room, office space, wherever, if you can't truly handle being away from the project and technology isn't your friend, then neither is eDesign. But Albie, I can always mail my design packages. (laughs) Yeah, you can. Sure. Like I said at the very top of the episode, for a lot of designers, that's how they, you know, deliver their um, projects to clients. But how far and how long can you go avoiding new technologies, particularly if you're looking to create a sustainable e-design business model? Because I should have said this disclaimer earlier, majority of the designers I know that offer a tactile e-design option, it's either A, in addition to their full service Uh, service catalog and or it's something that is a a small offering in their bigger picture it is not their entire business model that's what I'm getting at there we go so it they have so many other moving parts but if you're specifically looking to thrive and e-design you can't avoid technology lastly I have seen a lot of designers treating their e-design services exactly like their traditional services. So with the same time intensiveness, labor intensiveness, um, that same exact execution. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but these same designers will find themselves burnt out and or resentful of the whole e-design process. Truth is, if you cannot find a way to deliver exceptional service, exceptional design in a more truncated format, e-design also ain't for you. In most instances, uh, in most instances, <laughs> for e-design to truly be what you and the client both want, There has to be some level of distance from the process. For the sake of efficiency, for the sake of profitability, for the sake of time. I'm not saying cut corners, but you got to be able to use your time and your talent wisely. I remember when I first started out as an e-designer, I relied heavily on e-design platforms not necessarily because they were the best or I love them or anything like that, but it was ready-made. I didn't have to figure out a lot of the operational pieces. When I decided to branch off on my own, I found myself cobbling together a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I am so glad that I am no longer doing that. I use Gather, a visual platform, to help me source my product, communicate with clients, and just eliminate hours, hours of administrative headaches. So whether I'm working on a really big project 
for a quick in and out or even a blog post. Gather has really helped me streamline all of my product specifications, project details, budget tracking, and I have been able to create my own little creative hub and resource library. I really think you're gonna love Gather as much as I do, and especially if you want to create a very efficient and streamlined e-design system for yourself. So I want you to head over to thedesigninfluence.com forward slash gather to get started with a free extended trial. I know you're gonna love them as much as I do, so go check it out and now let's get back to the conversation. E-design isn't a substitute for traditional interior design services. It's an alternative. We live in a very tech-forward time, and through the power of e-design, designers have been able to share their talents and provide their services on a global scale that wasn't really possible before. While there is a school of thought that e-design has disrupted the interior design industry, I say it's enhanced it. It may not be for everyone, nor is there any one way to do it, but it is undeniable that this is an exciting new landscape for our industry. Personally, it's allowed me to explore interior design on my own terms and in a way that's aligned with my skill set and my lifestyle and just with everything that I love, I get to marry them in a way that suits me. I've been able to shape my entire business model online and I wouldn't have it any other way because of what it's afforded me professionally and personally. This may not be the case for everyone though. So I would love to know, do you consider yourself an e-designer? Does the idea of interior design online excite you or does it terrify you? Is it something you want to explore? Is it something you want to dip your toe in, see if it's the right fit? Or are you already an e-designer and you are thriving and you are loving it? Or did you try and you were like, mm-mm, mm, no, it's not for me. You know, this, this doesn't work. I would love to talk about your understanding of e-design and your experience with e-design. So while you're listening, take a screenshot and then tag the design influence on Instagram or on Facebook so we can keep the conversation going. Hopefully we can help one another during this really exciting time because there's a lot of information out there, but there's also no information out there. And I've only just scratched the surface when it comes to talking about e-design in this episode, but I wanted to kind of just clear up a few things very early on because, I mean, we have, we have lots more episodes to go together, guys. And I just, again, wanted to get the basics out of the way, just the fundamental understanding. So take a screenshot, tag the design influence, and let's talk about it. Until next time, I will talk to you guys later. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's show. I don't want to just leave it here. So let's keep the conversation going over on Instagram at the design influence or on the Facebook page, the design influence. To dig in a little bit deeper into today's episode, you can head over to thedesigninfluence.com forward slash podcast for all of the show notes, 
But while you're listening, be sure to take a screenshot of the episode so that you can tag the design influence and let me know what your favorite takeaway was. What resonated with you? What made you go, oh snap, that's me. I needed this. I would love to know. And now go forth and create your influence and I will see you in the next episode. Bye.